Welcome to the Industries at Work Leaders Edge podcast. I'm Sandy Laycox, Editor-in-Chief of Leaders Edge. In this episode, the Council's Director of Market Intelligence, Katie Oberkirker, talks with Penny Moore, Chief Commercial Officer for Springbuck. Springbuck is a health intelligence platform for managing employee populations. With a deep base of data, Springbuck has been able to help its clients manage shifts in employees due to COVID and has generated insights for clients into COVID-related risks. Moore discusses these efforts, along with microtrends in healthcare spending and transparency and cost conversations, how to effectively leverage benefits to encourage access, and trends in mental health and chronic care. Penny, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Katie. Really glad to be here and um, looking forward to interacting with you today. Great. So. Before we get started, I just want to set the stage a little bit. Obviously, this global pandemic has fundamentally changed so much about the healthcare delivery system and how it functions. It's been stressed by various compounding factors like unemployment, lack of resources, state budgets um, that have been stretched too thin, um, and the implications of customers that are shifting, you know, from private to public insurance plans, um, and many other factors. I think we can all agree that COVID-19 is going to be a reality for years to come. Today, though, I want to talk about how brokers and consultants can step up in this moment by using current data and trends to predict and plan for what happens next as it relates to their employer clients and their employees. So starting with a a bigger picture question here, many organizations have experienced changes relating to plan membership due to offboarding furloughs, reduced hours or pay, um, or in some cases, there's been an increase in new members due to certain changes at other companies. Can you give an example of how your health intelligence platform aids employers in managing these types of shifts in employment and fluctuating plan costs? Sure. Well, it's not like managing plan costs and and shifts weren't difficult before COVID, right? Um, And then we have the uncertainty of all of the impacts that you've just described, Katie, upon us as we think about plan design and how we should move forward and what is the population like that we're looking at covering. Um, from a from a Springbuck perspective, we actually feel like there's some opportunity within chaos. So I hope within this chaos. So I hope as we talk today, I can shed some light on some of the things that we're seeing and trends. First and foremost, I think as as at Springbuck, as our team, particularly our data science team, started to see shifts happening in healthcare utilization from the onset of of COVID back in March and April, our data science team began to try to they they to try to anticipate what we needed to be helping our clients see from their data. We had um, as a part of the health intelligence platform already built out a, a framework or a foundation per se of how we would leverage predictive analytics, other algorithms around event detection to predict things to begin with for our clients. So our team actually went right to work to leverage that framework and foundation into informing our clients about insights related to risk from 
COVID-19 itself. So what are the risks to your specific population as we see um, the virus unfold? Um, that was one of the first things we did. And actually just recently we were recognized by um, an outside group for, uh, for Springbacks being, Springback being one of the first to deliver that kind of insight uh, to our clients. Then as we've seen COVID unfold over the summer and more claims data being available to begin to give us insights, we leveraged those COVID-19 diagnosis codes to begin to see how the downstream effects of being infected by the virus might impact individuals' healthcare utilization and sharing that with our clients, as well as um, starting to think about healthcare trends overall um, and then really diving into what, what we term micro trends, um, what's happening within healthcare spend that either uh, is moving the needle as far as higher utilization because of COVID-19 or sometimes even lower utilization. And it's those micro trends that we're now focused on in our health intelligence platform to help brokers and consultants that we work with see how they can begin to plan in the future. Thanks, Penny. I I think that's really interesting that that you've gone in the direction of talking about the the larger effects of this pandemic in in micro trends because I think it really connects to your point on how you know every population is not impacted in the same way by this pandemic. So let me shift now to a term that's received perhaps some overdue attention um, because of the pandemic, and that is mental health. Um, and so I saw 88% of participants in a national survey that you've referenced reported experiencing moderate or extreme stress since the onset of the pandemic. How can behavioral health data in particular be used to reach those types of employees who may have a mental health issue but are not raising their hands asking for help right I, I think there's there's two aspects of that and then on top of that behavioral health mental health is a very sensitive topic to begin with um, overall i think what we see is is being able to leverage this particular opportunity as a time to focus on emphasizing education or engagement communications with your workforce and dependents about how to better leverage benefits or your benefit programs is important. And when you bring that down to thinking about um, the aspect of behavioral health, you want to make sure that your population knows what those benefits are and how to leverage them. So em employers can really use their data to identify individuals that are at particular risk for behavioral health and do really a hands-off kind of encouragement and communication of benefits like EAP or um, other emotional well-being type benefits that might be offered in a way that's that's just encouraging people overall. And then I think the second piece is um, this is a great time as you're planning for benefits into 2021 to begin to look at what has happened to um, mental health utilization, you know, just even in the last six months, 
to begin to see if there are ways that you should adjust the levers in the benefit plan design to encourage people to access care. Um, we know, you know, in addition to that, you know, I, I don't think the stress from the pandemic is going away. I think it's actually building as we all continue to be isolated and really are not sure when the end is in sight. And so as you look into 2021, you want to be able to offer as much support uh, from a mental health perspective to your population as possible. We also understand from our data that um, individuals who are who are diagnosed with chronic conditions that typically be, you know, they're typically high utilizers on the, the medical claim side, oftentimes have high rates of comorbidity with mental health. And when you help them resolve uh, and work through or get support for those behavioral health issues, you find that they're actually doing better at closing gaps in care around their chronic conditions. And so those are reasons to really look at how can you make those mental health benefits more accessible and really incent the utilization of those. So you mentioned chronic care, and I think that's interesting because that's really one of the other narratives that we've seen come up during COVID is how are people with chronic conditions conditions faring during this time. Um, and so if you think about that pool of, of the population that has a gap in care related to any chronic condition, besides, you know, monitoring claims data, where can the broker or the consultant um, and the employer come in to try to close that gap in care? Sure, I think there's a couple of things. Earlier, I mentioned this aspect of microtrends. Along with that is really um, first looking to your data to understand that, uh, I think you said this, Katie, that COVID-19 has really impacted subsets of the population in various different ways. So as you're looking at a particular population, understanding how COVID-19 has impacted people from various you know, gender, uh, backgrounds or specific locations. Um, we've seen uh, differences in avoidance of care or utilization care vary greatly from one location to the other. So understanding first and foremost where some of those trends begins to help you understand how you can um, help populations with chronic conditions think about accessing care. That too leads to, you know, side of care is an important aspect of how we all think about benefit, you know, healthcare dollars and how they're spent. Um, a hot topic since COVID-19 has been, you know, the, the, I wouldn't call it emergence of telehealth or telemedicine. We've had it for a long time, but really the uh, increased utilization of telemedicine as we're all, you know, staying quarantined and not really wanting to go sit in that waiting room to access care with our provider. Um, we've seen in our data, uh, kind of on average, pre-COVID utilization of telehealth visits at three visits per thousand members to now being, you know, well, well into the hundred per thousand members. Um, that increase in and of itself is also something that you may want to encourage your population to utilize telehealth visits even more, specific those with, with chronic conditions. Um, they we know that pre-COVID, the utilization of telehealth wasn't exactly what we 
were expecting. And so there might be some education within the population that could further enhance the utilization of telehealth, even with your primary care physician, to make sure that um, labs, other aspects of managing chronic condition is staying on track and being done um, to make sure that they're getting the right medications at the right time. Telehealth is an interesting example of technology in the right context. And we've had the ability to, to utilize telemedicine for a long time, but this pandemic forced us to. And so right. I think, I think it's been, yeah, a, a really interesting example of um, how the healthcare system had to pivot. I want to pick up though on, on something that you had mentioned earlier, thinking about 2021. So premiums are expected to rise next year. Um, insurers, I think, are still grappling with how to account for an uptick in hospitalizations and other costs. Coming back to the theme of transparency, how can that play a role in Springbucks conversations with clients when talking about healthcare costs right now? You bet. This is another area that our data science team has been looking, you know, watching the trends and what's changing very closely and thinking about how we can, you know, provide some guidance to our clients. There's a couple of things that I think is important. One, um, it's sort of in this element of thinking about what is the new normal. Um, there are two areas of care that I think it is important to make sure you think about a 2021 benefit design, you continue to focus on encouragement of care. And that is um, encouraging getting back to preventive care. Much of um, you know, immunizations, cancer screenings, uh, even the chronic care maintenance did fall off a little bit in the beginning. We're seeing it come back, but making sure that your benefit design is continuing to emphasize and incent um, driving people back to get preventive care done. The other is, um, as you think about benefit designs, making sure your benefit design is not discouraging time-sensitive treatments for certain, um, certain elective surgeries that are really necessary to prevent further utilization, cancer treatments, um, so that you are treating the cancer and not waiting for an exacerbation or um, making sure that you are not discouraging emergent care for high severity conditions. So that's, that's one area. Um, we also see this uh, 2021 benefit design as an opportunity to think about some things that we've all thought about for years um, around low value care or preference sensitive treatments and how do we discourage those things within our plan design. Um, low value care is something that we find really particularly interesting. So there are, uh, there's research that's been done that identifies five areas that really shouldn't, shouldn't occur anymore within a commercial population. Um, this COVID situation gives uh, employers and brokers uh, the opportunity to encourage keeping those things out of the benefit design. Things like population-based vitamin D screening, uh, diagnostic testing and imaging for low-risk patients going to low-risk surgeries. Those things are low-value care that we may want to discourage in the benefit design. 
another area that uh, should be look, looked into in, you know, as we're doing benefit planning into 2021 is thinking about the area of preference sensitive care, um, which is treatments that are clinically proven to be effective in some patients, but there's also typically for those treatments, less expensive and less risky treatments that are also available. Um, the decision to provide one of these treatments really should be made based on specific preferences of both the clinician and the patient together, sorting through pros and cons. And so um, providing support to an employee population around how to get through those decisions and how to have that decision support to make the right choices around a surgery versus physical therapy is an important thing. And then finally, the third area that we see as an opportunity is in what's called supply sensitive care. This might be a new um, kind of a new way of uh, a new term for many people, but it's the type of care that is um, based on a phenomenon that's been studied where based on supply versus demand in particular locations, you see uh, various utilizations like for example you may see individuals with chronic care with higher inpatient utilization rates just because it's a place where um, hospitals within a particular location are really trying to to fill their beds and so in these times what we want to be able to do is guard against um, those types of things um, so really considering all these concepts there's this sort of complex combination, as you pointed out, Katie, of patient education and then steerage within the benefit design combined with benefit policy changes that will discourage certain parts of care that are inappropriate. Um, and, and like I said, those are not really new concepts or new approaches, but this is the chance for us to look at um, what is new that the, you know, now that the entire healthcare system has underwent a significant shakeup and that many of the patients and even providers may now be realizing that a good portion of care really is unnecessary or the side of care maybe could be different and you could um, avoid or shift how care occurs without clinical repercussions. Thanks, Penny. I, I really like this concept of thinking about value-based care, but specifically the preference-sensitive type of care and then the supply-sensitive type of care. And I think that, well, COVID, you know, overall has been a, a stress test for the healthcare system in trying to maintain a certain rate of supply while, um, you know, having increased demand. I want to think about um, some of the lessons learned so far when you when you think about the role of data analytics during a national health crisis. Um, and this one in particular has really threatened to force employers to pivot, restructure their companies, potentially their benefits offerings as well. And so I would just be really curious for your thoughts on um, some of the lessons that um, you all have learned so far and potentially what you've heard from your clients? Sure. I think the overall lesson is 
Number one, we, we live in a world where uh, there are multiple sources of data that we can look to. Being able to look at healthcare claims data combined with pharmacy data, combined with maybe lab or biometric data that you're able to obtain and look at that through one lens in your population gives you a truer picture of what is actually happening within the population. Um, what, what we've seen from our clients is their ability to really leverage our platform to identify specific focus groups or cohorts of their population that are driving um, utilization and care from one aspect or the other, whether it's based on diagnosis or whether it's based on who's enrolled in which benefit package or whether it's based on even location, you know, one location versus the other. And once they create those focus groups, they begin to glean insights that help them get more specific on their strategies and decisions they make about what they're offering in benefit programs. I think that is really the key, is having that ability to, to you know, segment your data and to, to make intelligent decisions, looking at those groups that are driving utilization in different ways. We also help to do that by you know, helping our clients curate information. We curate information for them around where we see those gaps in care and what could be done about it or where our uh, prediction algorithms start to indicate that there is there are groups of individuals within your population that are close to making a determination around an elective procedure that might not be necessary so those things are important to consider as well thanks penny i think that that connects back to what we initially started talking about, which is these micro trends and trying to be able to segment your data in a certain way that allows you to identify, to your point, gaps in care. And, and from there, pivot to think about, okay, how do you, how do you use all of this information that the data has shown you um, to put together a really proactive strategy moving forward uh, when it comes to population health. Yes, if I, if I could add to that, I and mean, if you think about it, sometimes all the data that we have becomes really overwhelming, but, but what we know at Springbuck from our clients' data is there's really about eight condition categories that are driving 50% of the healthcare cost. And when you start to look, those are categories like musculoskeletal disorders or cancer or mental health, as we talked about earlier, or the various chronic conditions. Um, when you start to break down, even by those eight condition categories, it's interesting when you look at them separately, what you see for trends, and it really begins to shed light on what are the actions that you could take um, to be able to drive improved health within the population and also be able to drive cost savings. Penny, I... I really appreciate your time and I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, before we wrap up here, is there anything that you wanted to add that we didn't cover? No, I, I, uh, we truly appreciate the time, Katie, uh, uh, today. 
you know, from, if you can't tell from Springbuck's perspective, we're very passionate about, you know, we have the, we imagine this world where every healthcare decision is guided and backed by data. It's, it's how we live every day. Um, our mission is actually to prevent disease with data. And so it's, it's really great to engage with you for the benefit of your members to be able to talk about some of the things that we're seeing that are actually helping to move the needle. That was the Council's Katie Oberkirker with Penny Moore, Chief Commercial Officer for Springbuck. Don't forget to tune in to the rest of our Industries at Work Leaders Edge podcast.